Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Uh, well, today is the last message in our series that we have been calling, um, what's it called again? Behold Him. <laughs> I have a Christmas brain. Um, it's, it's a thing you get as you get older, I suppose. Just, I'm so overwhelmed by all the wonder and awe and the fun. Uh, I'm tired. And, and so... Um, we are we're finishing this series, and I want you to hear this, and if you watch later because you're watching online or you're skipping church this morning, don't worry, Jesus still loves you, um, but surely you will circle back and make sure you haven't missed anything important that your pastor might have wanted to say to you. Um, today we want to talk about beholding him, the wonderful counselor. And uh, while this, in my opinion, is not the most poignant message in the series, it maybe will be one of the most practical messages in the series. And, uh, and that is because the title Wonderful Counselor crosses the, how, how can I word this? It crosses the identities in which God has revealed himself. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, wonderful counselor, well, the Father is, and the Son is, and the Holy Spirit is as well. And so this is one of those uh, titles that maybe establishes the Trinity all through Scripture. We see God giving wonderful and wise counsel to his people. We see Jesus doing the same thing, and of course, then Jesus leaving us the Holy Spirit. All of this captured in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which reads, for a child will be born to us. I mean, by this point, we should all have this memorized. Uh, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And that name, Wonderful Counselor, for me personally, for me very personally, has been maybe one of the more uh, familiar, familiar titles I would know God, my Heavenly Father, by. It's, it's the title that maybe in my heart, in the way my mind works, I I, I feel associated with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit more than, more than any of the other titles he has. And I know that he's the everlasting Father, and I am in awe of that. And, of course, knowing the peace of, of Jesus, that he is the Prince of Peace, and that authority, the delegation of peace belongs to him, all of those are overwhelming. But I have to say, practically in the everyday of my life, God being wonderful counselor is probably the, one of the most impactful titles that I have experienced in my relationship with God to this point. Um, and so he is the wonderful counselor, and I wish more folks knew this. I wrote it down. I wish folks knew this more. Both are true. Because I see a lot of people in the church, in the kingdom of God as a whole, and in the world, making a lot of decisions about what God must mean when they're reading their Bible. Now, right away, some of you are going are gonna to feel the load of that come on because you're in leadership and you see some of the things that I see. And, and it's not actually hard to spot when we have well-meaning folks who start making a lot of decisions about what they're reading in God's Word in a particular moment or season of their life. Now, God's Word is applicable and necessary in every season and moment of your life, but one thing we will always steer you back to in this church is that you always have to consider the whole counsel of God's Word. To be a one-verse Willie, one-verse Wanda, uh, whatever name you need to associate there so you're not offended is all good. But being a one-verse anything in Scripture is very limited every single time in its application and in its context. And so we actually avoid that as a church leadership. 
we try to consider how many verses come to mind, which is really what this message is going to be about, as we consider an issue or a problem or a success or victory that's in front of us. But I really do wish more people would recognize that he is the wonderful counselor. And he's not the depressive counselor. He's not the crisis counselor. He's not the in the, in the hard times your marriage is struggling counselor. He is in every time the wonderful counselor. And it's a wonderful experience in that I am blown away, I am awestruck, but I am also caught up in the wonder of how God is so good to me that he would bring so many things to bear in my mind concerning the issues that I'm facing in our life. More specifically, as as a pastor leading the church, all of the things that seem to be going on are far beyond a one person's or a human being in general, our ability to work through. It's too complex. It's too intertwined. And so I stand in awe every time of Wonderful Counselor because he comes through in the moments we need. So this conversation I wish people would have with God with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, who are the wonderful counselor. I wish that they would have a conversation with him before in their one-versedness they are captured by or turned to legalism. Because that's inevitably what happens when people start to pursue one verse or one thought from Scripture, failing to apply the, the context that goes all around. And just so you know, in and of ourselves, we will never be able to supply enough context to definitively say this is the absolute of what God is saying other than there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. That is the non-negotiable of all Scripture. It all points to, to that. And so you can be certain of some things in Scripture without a doubt. But when it comes to individual issues, when it comes to individual opportunities, there are many, and I want you to know this, God doesn't only bless one. God is often willing to bless multiple opportunities that he puts in front of you. And so if you want to be in the center of God's will, you're not actually choosing between right and wrong, but you're choosing between what is right, what is right, what is right, what is right, and what is most beneficial for you. That's the reality. And for that, we need a wonderful counselor. I hope by this stage of your journey, you know that if you go to a store, it would be wrong for you to steal a pack of gum, and you don't need to wait on the Holy Spirit for that. I I hope... Culture is strong enough still in the world today that that we know stealing is wrong, that the unlawful taking of life, which the Bible calls murder, is wrong. But we are blessed with this opportunity knowing a wonderful counselor. By the way, turning to legalism, or worse, in my opinion, far worse, returning to legalism. I want you to know this, church. It will never bring holiness. Legalism is incapable of bringing holiness. It always was. It always will be. Legalism is not the reason God gave the law. God gave us the law to show us we were in sin so that we would be able to turn to Jesus to deal with our sin. That's why he gave the law. And it would serve us well to consider our relationship with this wonderful counselor as we move forward because the truth of the matter is we hardly even know what to pray, let alone know how to interpret the holy word of God. I told you, this is going to be a very practical message, and I do hope it stays that way for us this morning. See, if we attempt to be justified by the law in matter of becoming legalistic about an aspect, meat sacrifice to idols, whether or not to get a mashkeen, 
yeah, a mashkeen. I don't want to say the right word out loud because the, F, the, the FB people, you know, they can, are you with me? See, it's good if you don't know what I'm talking about because there's no computer that will know what we're talking about either then. Right? But we have all these issues in front of us. Should I do this? Should I, should I get a jab? Should I not? Should I do this or should I do that? These are actually all issues of conscience in which God is able to and willing to bless people on all sides of the issues. Because they're not essential to the heart of God in terms of the people. Those folks, as an example, who say, I don't believe you, won't, you, you can't or won't do this. Don't you love your neighbor? Well, don't you understand very simply that there are two sides to loving your neighbor? Right? I mean, if your neighbor is on fire and your solution is to throw him in the water, it did no good for you to hold him under for too long. And that's a silly example, but it actually happens all the time when people turn to legalism rather than to the wonderful counselor to interpret and contextualize Scripture for the moment that they're in. Very, very important. Again, let's make room for some absolutes because absolutes are real. There are absolutes, and we can say that absolutely. But there is also a wide range of interpretive realities to Scripture that involve context, culture, time, individuals. I mean, it is, it is complex. He's the wonderful counselor because somehow he can work all things together for the good of all those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, in our attempts to be counselors, we really can only deal with one person at a time. In fact, if you come to me for counseling, guess who we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about you. I'm sorry, somebody said the wrong thing, but it's okay. We're going to talk about you, not the person who wronged you. Why? Because when I'm, the account, when I'm the counselor, I can only deal with the person that's right in front of me. But here's the wonderful thing about our Heavenly Father. Here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Here's the wonderful thing about our friend, the Holy Spirit. All people are before Him at all times. Whereas only one of us can be in front of the other at a time. That's how it works. So we don't want to be judged by the law. And this is what it says in James 2, uh, 10 to 13. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. In other words, has become guilty of breaking the whole law. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you are still a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. Someone say liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. This is a legalism killer, this little verse right here, these two verses, three verses. They really are a legalism killer. One, because you cannot please God with the law. You can only please God with faith. And the law has an important part to play with delivering faith to our hearts. There's no question about that. But this is why I say legalism can never bring holiness because what is it that brings holiness to our lives? It's actually the law of liberty. It's actually the law of liberty that brings holiness. And that's a little hard for us to understand because in and of our carnal nature, we are works-oriented, orientated. We are driven by works for good works, and there's truth in this because God did predestine good works for us to do beforehand. 
And so what it is, it's an act of Satan in our lives to try and convince us that the works God prepared for us to do beforehand are actually our works done by our initiative, done by our imagination, done by our whatever you want to fill in there. But the reality of, the, of it all is, the truth of it all is, is that God has predestined and preordained the things which need to be done, and he guides us so that we will walk into those things. That's what liberty does. I was just listening to someone. Uh, I don't know if it was a. I don't know if it was a uh, on a reel or what it was. But in the last few days, some a pastor explained it really, really well. You see, we think that liberty or that freedom is what gives us the right to do what we want. But what liberty actually does for a Christian is give us the ability to do what is right. Maybe we could even say it this way. To want to do what is right. As opposed to the right to do what we want. It's those little plays on words that the enemy, who is older and wiser than all of us, he's been playing his game for a long time, you see. It's those little plays on words that take us away from what Scripture is actually saying and tries to put it into context of something that will actually hold us in bondage rather than keep us in the spirit of liberty. How do I know this? How do I know that this is true? How do I know this in my experience in life? Is it because I read the Bible? Yes. I have, just so you know, been reading the Bible since I could read. The Bible was one of the very first books my parents put in front of me, and it was a a cartoon Bible, of all things, is the first one I remember. Now, there may have been others before that, but the first Bible I got was when I was very young for doing memory verses, and I learned to read largely in part based on memory verses and things like that from Sunday school. Now, I'm just saying that not because I'm trying to boast or build myself up or brag. I'm just saying I've been reading the Bible my entire life. And I've read some parts more than others, but I can't even tell you how many times I've been through the Bible. I have no idea. I've just been through the Bible. And some parts I have been through thousands of times. How do we know the things we know if we live our life reading God's Word? We can't really, well, I shouldn't say it. There are people who have memorized the entire Bible. Uh, and we just don't live in a place that demands that of us, but our brothers and sisters in China will measure chapters, not just verses, but chapters and books of the Bible, and when it goes through the prison system, the last person eats the, the paper it was written on, because it's illegal, right? And, and, and that's, how, that's how the Church of China and other persecuted places in the world, that's how they get the Scripture into them, is they just they have a, a limited window, so they memorize everything they can. You and I, at this point, are not forced to do that, but I want to just I want to explain to you that we we have all of this scripture, this wealth of scripture available to us and in us and around us. But there is someone who brings it to mind and brings it to bear at the appropriate time. And the person who does that is the wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not separable from Jesus, nor is he separable from the Father. When the Bible talks about the Spirit of Jesus, who's it actually talking about? Well, it's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. When God talks about His Spirit going out, what Spirit is He talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You see, the, the wonderful Counselor is the Godhead. 
It's who he is, and it's who he has revealed himself as to us. And I just want to point out this morning that it's high time in the days that we live in that we begin to look to God under that title of Wonderful Counselor so that we would know what to do with the times we're in rather than make assumptions about what is right. Because right and wrong are often not as simple as we'd like them to be. So the wonderful counselor speaks to me, speaks to our hearts, and brings to mind the word that we've meditated on for whatever part of our life we've been meditating on God's word. But I love that what comes in that moment is when he brings it, it's in context for the moment of time that we're in. It's appropriate for the time. Wonderful Counselor speaks and reminds me that in difficult times, we should pray for men and women to be like the sons of Issachar. Say, what do the sons of Issachar have to do with the times? Well, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that there were the sons of Issachar, and they were a group of men who knew the times and understood what to do. Now, why on earth would the sons of Issachar be something that just pops randomly into my head? Well, it's not random at all. It's actually the wonderful counselor speaking to me in the days that we're in. And so that steered our entire leadership team as a church to begin seeking God, not for a technically right answer, but to understand the times that we were in and knowing what to do. There's a huge difference between that and solving a problem because lots of our problems right now aren't solvable problems. They are problems that I believe God wants to use to bring us to draw us closer to his heart. Now, if you haven't figured this out already, everything in life, that is what it is. Everything you experience in life is, in fact, an opportunity wherein God is trying to bring you and I closer to his heart. You mean when someone I love has cancer? Yes. Does that mean God likes to give people cancer? Absolutely not. See, you're trying to justify a right or wrong answer as soon as we go that way. What's God's heart? You need to learn to take God at his word. Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father in heaven. God tempts no one with evil. God, God doesn't try to drive us to wrath to draw us near to him. But the due consequences of our decisions and our lack of God in our lives create a situation where we don't have much choice but to be drawn closer to Him. Just understand that what we need to get there is not a theologian, but a wonderful counselor. Knowing what to do for us as a church leadership, just so you know, comes from a rich context of Scripture. Whatever issues might be that people have, that we have women in our church who serve on our eldership team with their husbands, that's an issue for some people. We call Pastor, my wife, Pastor Amy. We call her Pastor Amy. That's an issue for some people. But not, not how we study Scripture, it's not. In the whole context of Scripture, we understand some things about time and context and patriarchal society versus the society we live in today. I mean, I, I don't want to turn the message into a justification for anything. I'm just trying to point out once again that we need a wonderful counselor to guide us rather than our own opinion to take us to legalism, which is captivity, once again. And again, 
turning to legalism is nowhere near as bad as returning to legalism. Oh, that kills my heart, i got to tell you. It kills my heart. So we don't get to just grab a verse and run with it. Rather, we have to wait on the wonderful counselor to speak to us in context of God's heart, God's word, God's law. And out of that context, we devise or we understand or we see a way through that never sacrifices the Great Commission, that never sacrifices prayer, preaching the Word of God, speaking the truth in love. Those things are, see, those are absolutes. They're in, they, they, are, they are not up for debate. And in all of that, we can move forward. I guess if I could try to put this into a context for you to understand with me, God's Word and our need for a wonderful counselor is really kind of like being a parent. And what you and I think or what we maybe once thought as parents is that we wanted exact obedience from our kids. Who, who, who thinks that? What we want for our kids is to be obedient. Anybody? Come on, put up your hand nice and high. Okay, that's good, because let me tell you, if your goal isn't to raise obedient kids, you are in a lot of trouble. It's going to be really hard. My dad used to always say, you can pay now with raising kids. You can pay now, or you can pay later, but either way, you're going to pay. That is as true today as it has ever been in all of humanity. And so, yes, obedience is an absolute goal for parents raising their children, but here's the problem that you have probably experienced, especially as your children begin to grow. We all understand we want to be able to say no and our kid obey so they don't run out into traffic and you know, be run over by a car. But here's what happens when we raise children with absolute obedience. Son, I need you to move that box. Who's been here? And the box moves because we are such good parents, but the next day you need to get somewhere in your house or if you're like me, in your shop and your arms are full and you're walking in on a trail to get to where you need to go and what is suddenly in your way again? The box. Is that because the child is disobedient? Not technically. It's because children by their nature do everything half-butted. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm going to let that young man ask his parents what that means. <laughs> you do it half-butted. Now, is it an act of sin when my oldest son, whose name begins with J, and I shall not say his name to avoid embarrassing him, moves the box I asked him to move to a spot that's almost worse than where it initially was? It's really not his fault, right? He has limited information and limited cognition at this time in his life. So here, here's what we're going for as parents. Now, tell me if this isn't true. When we talk about having obedient children as parents, what we are actually hoping for is children who listen to what we say because it is best for them, but who also use their cognition and their intuition to work with us to get everything to the place it needs to go. Can I suggest to you this morning that that's actually how our relationship with God is supposed to work? Because you have people who literally believe the Bible says you shall not commit murder, and they think that that does not mean anyone can ever take a human life. Guys, that's not what Scripture says. Murder is the unlawful taking of life, not the taking of life. 
And I'm not, I'm not saying in any way that that condones any particular behavior. I'm just saying that we are lacking cognition and intuition when we take God's word and come so absolutely down on one point when there is a context that matters greatly. I want to tell you this morning by the Spirit of God, guys, that God wants us to use intuition and cognition guided by His Word, guided by our relationship with Him, guided by our conversations with Him so that we can do the good, pleasing, the acceptable and perfect will of God, not according to our limited understanding, but according to the counsel of His Spirit who is absolutely wonderful. Because then the box disappears from where it's in the way and goes to a place where it's conveniently stored, which, if we're willing to admit, parents, is actually what we wanted. It wasn't the box moved. It was the box picked up, taken out of the way, and put into an appropriate place. But you see, we forgot, because sometimes we're not good organizers and not good leaders ourselves yet, we forgot to give the detail. So can you just understand this concerning God's Word? God gives you absolute detail everywhere you need detail in His Word. He does. And the wonderful counselor will show you that. When Moses had to give instruction to build the linen ephod and build the tabernacle and, and build the ornaments that the priests would wear on their chest plates, there were detailed instructions for those things. But when in the New Testament, the Scripture tells us to do good to one another as long as we are able, it doesn't give us the detail of what doing good is. So we're comfortable making some assumptions based on what we know is right or wrong or feel is right or wrong. But can we just take it up a level? You see, if we brought every question that we face in front of Wonderful Counselor, and we, we laid those questions and these issues at His feet, Knowing that wonderful counselor is fully God, that he is God with us, that he is the eternal spirit of God living in us, what would our decisions begin to reflect? What would they begin to look like? I tell you, for those of you who are watching this later at home, it might have made you come to church this morning. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I know it's hard for some of us, but I'm convinced that it's all by His design that we work through the issues of life under His counsel. In the counsel of His Word, in the counsel of His presence, in the counsel of His mercy, His grace, His holiness, His goodness, His faithfulness, in the counsel of all the virtues, all the attributes of who God is, that He is working with us. We are failing in it and rediscovering our need. We are succeeding in it and rediscovering our need of Him. We are getting lost in it and being found in Him as we rediscover our need for Him that we learn to love coming to Him with our issues because every time we come to the wonderful Counselor, it actually is wonderful in the end. And I'm so sad that so many people, they, they don't know how to put their faith in a God who is the wonderful Counselor. They don't know how. They're too swayed by a legalistic approach. They're too swayed by a liberal approach. They're too swayed by a political appeal. They're, they're too swayed by a family tradition. 
And in all of that, we begin to miss the timing that God intends for us to be more than conquerors, to to overcome the impossible things that He has put in front of us so that He can prove to us once again that He is the God of the impossible. Our problem at Christmas time, just a good application or a good way to bring understanding is that we have a difference in our relationship with God and that many of you would still believe that God is somehow a cosmic Santa Claus in the sky and that we pray to him with a wish list of things that we hope would come to pass and hope to come true. But let me tell you, there's a huge difference in how we pray when we pray our list versus how we can pray his list. Sometimes we don't even realize there's a difference. But let me tell you, there's always a difference between his list and my list. If we can start with an admission, which is this. We really don't know what we need from God a lot of the time. You see, we know what we think we want, which if you think about it, makes no sense at all. We know what we think we want, which is what? It's just a thought. Have you ever asked someone that question and been frustrated by it? It's like when Amy asks me, hey, what should I make for dinner? And I go, I don't know. I know I need to eat. I honestly don't care that much what it is, I don't think, except for maybe a couple of things, right? You see, it's the crazy cycle we get into, right? What do you, what do you, want, what do you want for Christmas this year, babe? Well, I don't know. And I don't know turns into a very complex list sometimes, right? See, that's how we are. We know what we think we want, but truly we don't know what we want. And when it comes to our prayer life, we know what we think we want to pray, but here's what Scripture says. You yourself do not even know what to pray. That's why we need a wonderful counsel. Let me read it for you as we close. The worship team can come back. Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, because it is a weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When's the last time you prayed that way? It's a rare time when we actually pray that way. And if we do, I want to assure you something. It's because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the prompting of Wonderful Counselor. It's his his work in our lives. It's what he does. So we need a Wonderful Counselor. And him being wonderful in counsel is not going to take anything away from his mightiness, his everlasting power, or the fact that he is the Prince of Peace. None of these take anything away from the other. Rather, they all add to each other in the mystery and the wonder of who God is. In these perilous times, don't you think that we could all adjust the way we pray and seek him? Because we get so focused on the big issues And not that we should miss the big issues that are in front of us. We should should know what the big issues are, and we should be praying into the big issues. But we get so focused on the big issues that we begin to miss those daily opportunities to share Jesus with people, which is far more in alignment with the fulfillment of his commission in our lives as followers of Christ than the big issues. We always tell you 
we always tell you that it's just a phase. Can I just explain to you this morning that life, life on earth is a phase? The 80 to 95 to 100 years that you and I have on this planet are actually a phase. And there's a great deal to be done and a great deal to be learned and a great wonderful amount of life to be lived, experience to be had. Amazing. Guys, there are enough experiences in our time on earth to last us eternity giving praise to Jesus. Just get your head around that if you can. There will be enough that happens to me in my life on this earth, even though it's just a phase, that I will never run out of things to be thankful to Jesus for for the rest of eternity. That hurts my brain, to be honest. That's, that's hard to... I'm not saying that life's just a phase and so it's meaningless. Life is amazingly full of opportunity. And that is why we need a wonderful counselor. Which way, what way, how way, the right way, the wrong way. You know why we learn not to miss it is because wonderful counselor says to our heart, don't miss this. Behold, I am about to do a new thing. That's what God says to every person who is being born. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing things beyond your comprehension. I'm doing things beyond your ability to discern. I am doing things you can't even imagine. They are exceedingly beyond anything that you could ask or think. So don't miss the opportunities with a soul. Don't miss the opportunities with a stranger, with a coworker, with a wife, with a son or a daughter, a family member. All of life is a phase, so don't miss it. But don't miss what God has for you in this season. Don't miss what God has for you right here today. He is a mighty and awesome, living, loving, powerful, and wonderful God, and we get to serve him. I'm going to let Tyson close the service today, but I just want to say from my family, from our elders, our deacons, our leadership people in the church, Merry Christmas. We love you. We appreciate you so much. We're so glad that you came today, and we want to remind you that God has something here for you right now in this moment if you'll receive it from him. Thank you, Pastor Trav. I'm going to ask you an odd question. Who here is stubborn? Anyone stubborn? Any, any, any Dutch out there? Germans? Norwegians? I'm pretty stubborn. And I'm just a blend of those UK countries. I'm a stubborn person, but the Lord sent us a counselor. And I so often plug my ears to him. Is that any of you this morning? Let's stand this morning. We're going we're gonna to sing one more song. What I think what the Lord would say to each one of us today is, I am constantly speaking to you. Would you please listen to me? You know, that's, maybe it's just me this morning. But the Lord has, he has so many good things for us. And we often, I think, miss it because we're just simply not listening to his counsel. And 
You know, his ways are higher than our ways. And, uh, and he, has, he has amazing things for us. And yet, somehow, we try to do it all in our own strength. And for some reason, that sometimes results in us failing miserably. And we end up in a place where we really don't want to be. And so, this morning, let's just, let's just ask the Lord to make his voice clear to us. Let's ask him to, to clear our cluttered minds and the enemy that c- continues to... Um, to speak in the back of our mind and our own voices and the voices of those around us. Let's just let's just ask the Lord together this morning to quiet those voices. Lord, we pray that you would that you would make your voice so clear to us, Lord. And that even just the muddiness that could be in our minds and would you would you clear that, Lord? Especially in this season, God, we really need to hear your voice. And I'm just reminded of the 400 years that the people of God didn't hear from you, Lord. And we thank you that we don't live in that time. We live in a time when you are always speaking to us. You are always with us. You sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and to be our counselor and to, to, to be our helper. And so, Lord, this morning, we pray that you would, you would allow us to be able to hear that so clearly and that we would stop trying to do things in our stubborn ways, stop trying to do it in our own strength, Lord, and that we would just, uh, we would just lay those things down and then we'd accept your counsel, Lord, and counsel for each one of us in each one of our lives, in each one of the situations we find ourselves in. Lord, we thank you that you that you chose the method by which to save us, Lord, that you came down and you, you were God with us, Emmanuel. Lord, you understand where each one of us is and and you, you have a plan for each one of us to move us on to the next place, Lord. Would you make that true, especially this, this year, Lord, as we move into this new year, God, that we would accept your counsel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.